Hi everyone, Dave Lee from Medicus here. I, before we jump into this episode, I wanted to make a quick note. Um, in this conversation, you'll hear my friend Luke say they use he, him, and they, them pronouns, and I'll be using he, him pronouns throughout the conversation. Um, but since we recorded this interview a couple months ago, they have begun using they, them, and ze, zim pronouns. And um, I talked to them about this, and they said they were okay with airing the interview as is. Um, but I wanted to make a quick note of that, uh, that they now use ze, zim, and they, them pronouns, um, just out of respect for them. Also, this is part one of a two-part special episode. Part one, we'll be focusing more on Luke and their personal journey through their gender identity. And in part two, we will be talking more about how we as um, clinical folks can uh, better support our trans and non-binary patients from the uh, medical and clinical side. So yeah, uh, if you are interested, I highly recommend that you check out both episodes. And with that, here's Luke Grief. Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Dave Lee from Medicus. Um, we have a very special show for you today. I have a dear friend of mine um, as a guest on, on our show today. Um, it is uh, He is a wonderful dancer in the Chicagoland area. Um, he is also a very um, talented uh, um, circus like a circus artist, and uh, uh, we we take um, trapeze classes together. Uh, but um, he, I, I invited him on just to, because um, I think he can offer some uh, interesting insights on the experiences of what it's like to uh, transition and, and experiences as, as a trans individual. Um, it is my friend, uh, Lucas Grief, uh, or Luke Grief. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, Luke. Um, yeah, so I... Uh, I'm I'm sorry to out you <laughs> right off the top. Um, so, would you mind telling? Would you mind uh, introducing yourself and, and telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Luke Grief. Um, my pronouns are they, them, or he, him. I actually use both interchangeably. Mm -hmm. um, I am yeah. I'm a dancer. I've been a dancer for most of my life. Uh, I've also been training in circus recently. Uh, I work in arts administration. I also work as a professional dancer and a dance instructor for ages seven through 107. Uh, I have Wait, been, is that true? Uh, yes. Well, I don't have a 107 year old yeah. student at the moment, but <laughs> I'll teach you up until 107. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I've been on testosterone or hormone replacement therapy for um, almost two years now. It'll be two years in August. Mm -hmm. um, I have identified as transmasculine uh, for uh, probably about two and a half years. Um, and I have identified on the trans spectrum uh, publicly since I was 23. Okay. And um, uh, I, this is even more personal questions, but how old are you now? <laughs> um, I am 27. Okay. Yeah. Now, well, I... Uh, I should note, like, for clarification, I, I am 28, and my pronouns are he, him. Um, and so uh, let's, uh, I mean, there's a lot to dive in here, um, but I, let's start with um, just pronouns starting, you know, like starting with pronouns. Um, I, you know, one of the things we do, um, we have started uh, 
integrating more into medical education. And, and this is, you know, like a big thing in public discourse as well as, you know, like identifying your pronouns and, you know, asking folks about their pronouns. Um, uh, so, you know, in our clinical skills class, we were taught to, you know, in, include that in our, in our list of questions of, you know, um, is there anything uh, about your, you know, um, is there anything you feel like you, I, I should know about your gender identity as it relates to your health? Uh, how, how do you like? How do you personally like try to approach that conversation um, I, on on either end? Yeah, I think that uh, the simplest option is actually the best option, and I actually have been asked this multiple times. Um, so a lot of times we hear, uh, "What are your prefer preferred pronouns? What do you mm. prefer? Um, what do you go by?" Um, those types of terms and wording uh, imply that pronouns uh, as they relate to trans identity are a matter of convenience or preference as opposed to uh, just quite literally a basic part of our identity. Hmm. Um, you wouldn't phrase it like that if you were talking to like a cis man or a cis woman. Hmm. Um, so I think just normalizing pronouns in general, whether you're talking to somebody who is visibly trans or cis, um, hmm. and then uh, taking taking things out of it like preferred or go by and just ask, what are your pronouns? Hmm. Um, it's less words and it cuts out the, the little microaggressions. You know, we can't cut out all of our microaggressions at once hmm. and as, as trans folks, and you know, I only speak for myself, I understand that, but it always makes the environment feel like it's more accessible and I am meant, uh, I am more welcome there if those small things are cut out. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if at any point throughout this conversation, you know, like I, I uh, you know, make an error or, or you know, like, um, you know, if there's something about, you know, my approach that you feel like could use improvement, like do feel free to inter interject. And, uh, you know, I, I would, I would love to learn on that. Um, cause yeah, I, I'm still, you know, kind of trying to educate myself on this, on this topic as well. Um, and so there, there's a lot of reasons I, I wanted to have this conversation, you know, not least of which, because I, you know, personally, like only recently started having more and more interactions with, um, uh, trans folks and, and non-binary folks. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm learning new things all the time, even just like, you know, looking at your Instagram feed and, uh, like I, I had not even thought about the, you know, the phrasing of pre preferred pronouns as well. And then like how that, uh, might come across. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and I, I, I kind of hesitated earlier when I was trying to frame the question, um, just cause I, I don't want to put you in a position of trying to, speak on behalf of all trans identifying folks, um, just cause like, uh, you know, that's not a fair position to put anyone in. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to start with your, your personal, you know, story of like what you've been through. Um, so just kind of starting broadly, like I know, you know, everyone's story is, is different, um, but would you mind talking about what your journey has been like with your, with your gender identity? Absolutely. And actually, thank you for phrasing it like that, because a lot of times that question comes off as, when did you realize you were trans? <laughs> um, which is not a fair question to ask, uh, because for most people that I know, and again, you said it yourself, uh, I don't speak for all trans people through any part of this interview, only speak for myself. <laughs> um, but it's not a matter of when you realize you were trans, um, because 
we don't have that vocabulary from birth. Uh, and so it's more about when do you find that vocabulary and when do you put two and two together? It doesn't necessarily all happen at once. Um, I always felt, even as a kid, like I didn't fit. Um, I wasn't even a tomboy because that also didn't feel right. I was just awkward. Um, I did all the the things that a girl is supposed to do, um, figuring if I just like play the part, play the role, it'll eventually fit, right? Um, never really did. I didn't know about the trans masculine side of the trans experience because the only trans people I knew growing up or had any interaction with growing up were all trans women. Um, and those were also few and far between. So I didn't even think that there was another half of the spectrum, uh, if you want to look at it that way. I didn't even know that that side existed. It was covered, in, it was shadowed. Mm. Um, so I, I didn't think that there was any answer to why I felt so weird. I just felt like I was weird. Mm. Um, I was a dancer from a very young age and I learned very early on that like you, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. You grin and you bear it and you make it look good. And eventually it, it'll be right. Mm. Um, so I approach most of my life like that of, okay, I have to wear a dress because girls wear dresses to prom and okay and if I grin and I bear it it's going to feel fine like eventually the point shoes will feel fine um and of course you learn very quickly that you know at the end of the performance the point shoes come off and you have to tend to the wounds um and so it was a lot of that cycle of you know grinning and bearing it and then going home and, and tending to the wounds and not having the not having the know-how to tend to the wounds because I didn't know why it it didn't feel right um, I didn't find anything that fit me, uh, until I moved to Chicago in 2015 and I started to meet people who identified as non-binary. Um, and that felt fit a little better. Um, I started identifying as non-binary in, um, 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, I started identifying as non-binary and it still didn't quite feel right. Um, and I was in this weird in-between area because I knew I didn't want to transition to be perceived as a cis man. And up until that point, like I knew what trans masculine was, but I thought that that's what it meant, that you wanted to uh, walk through the world as a, as, a, uh, as a man and be perceived as cis. Um, I've since learned that that's not what it means. It could mean that for some people. Um, but it's not that narrow. Um, and so I met somebody who um, identified as, as transmasculine through my performance, and uh, they really inspired me to um, explore that possibility of myself. Um, I also was dealing with a lot of um, fallout from coping with, you know, being closeted for 23, 24 plus years. Um, and it got to the point where I was, I was um, developing um, uh, dissociative uh, disorders um, as part of my bipolar disorder as an extension. And uh, I realized quickly that the dissociation, I would describe it to myself and my therapist as, you know, a little boy. Um, anytime I used a metaphor, it was a little boy. And um, I kind of had that 
click moment of like, why am I always referring to myself as a boy? Um, and so after some meditation and, you know, really diving into what my spirit looks like, as opposed to what my body looks like, mm-hmm. um, I found that, you know, I, I am transmasculine um, and I want to move in the world as masculine. Um, that is something I always felt like I also felt wrong in my dancing because I wasn't moving the way I wanted to move. And mm-hmm. nobody felt like, um, I, no matter what anybody said about you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're so talented, you're gonna make a career in dance. I felt wrong and I would go home crying and it didn't matter what anybody said because that wasn't the point for me. I wasn't moving the way I wanted to. Um, And so I started HRT, um, thanks to the help of Howard Brown Medical Center. Um, I was able to get on HRT uh, shortly before a huge contract with a dance company that I still work with. Um, My dance company was very uh, supportive and uh, I still dance with them today. I've been on HRT for two years and I've um, never felt better. I've never, felt more comfortable in my own skin. Um, and I've never danced, uh, I, I've never been as as happy with myself as a mover as as I am today. So that's, yeah, the, lo- the long and short of it. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate that. Um, and and um, I'm so glad to hear you're, you're, you know, you're feeling more um, uh, like yourself basically. And um, yeah, and, and thank you so much for sharing. Um, that I, I know I know that's um, you know not an easy thing to kind of uh, you know work through and 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 talk through. So it's it sounds like it, you know you've done a, a lot of um, yeah like it, it's been a long road for you. Um, before we dive a little further into um, what the I guess like the logistical side of of you know um, getting HRT or hormone replacement therapy and and um, you know treatment. I, I just wanted to quickly define some some terms what we you know uh, we use throughout the conversation. Um, there's a number of them, and I I do know I personally know, and I was one of the folks who who was very confused about what what some of these meant. You know, even like what does cis mean? Like what does trans mean? Um, so uh, I mean, let's start with yeah. Uh, what's the difference between cis and trans? Uh, yeah, there's this there's this weird idea that this is a slur it is not (laughs) i don't say it to make anybody mad or feel less about themselves um it's just an identifier um cis is uh basically a term that means that your uh gender matches the gender that you were assigned at birth um so you are cis in that you identify as uh male uh and you were assigned male at birth um, yeah, uh, and then one new term uh, you taught me before we started recording, um, uh, AFAB and, and um, uh, AMAB, uh, which um, I guess stand, which stands for um, assigned female at birth and assigned male at birth, respectively. So yeah, um, like you said, um, I, I would be AMAB. So I, I, I was assigned male at birth and because I continue to identify as, you know, male, um, I, I consider myself to be a cis male, yeah, a cisgendered man. Um, and uh, you also use the term non-binary, and there's a lot of um, you know terms within the, the umbrella of non-binary, like that. I think um, gets uh, confusing for people. Like there, you know, some folks um, might identify more as like you know, two-spirit or uh, uh, non. Um, I believe like uh, without gender, like agender, um, you know, mm-hmm. or yeah. And so, 
Um, would you mind kind of explaining a little bit about what that umbrella kind of encapsulates? Yeah, um, there's been a lot of um, dispute as to whether it's even an umbrella Hmm. Uh, because there are plenty of agender, non-binary, gender non-conforming people that uh, would dispute the idea that they are uh, under the trans umbrella, which is completely hmm. valid. Um, I think that to say trans means everything else uh, isn't quite accurate. I think hmm. we're still trying to um, define what that really means. Uh, I would view it less as an umbrella uh, I would also view it less as a linear spectrum and more of, you know, that color wheel that you get yeah. um, when you're trying to like, you know, in InDesign and you're trying to right. change colors <laughs> and it's like a circle. Uh -huh. um, it's more like that. Okay. So, you know, you've, you've got different mixes of different colors and, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's going to look different for everybody. My trans masculine looks completely different than mm -hmm. my colleagues. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of um, wonderful non-binary dancers and every single one has a different definition for what non-binary means to them. Um, okay. I think that's why people are a little uh, apprehensive about mm. embracing the, the gender spectrum in full. Uh, and I won't call it the trans spectrum, I'll call it the gender spectrum mm. um, because I think that, you know, cis exists on that spectrum as well, of course. Mm. Um, because there's so much unknown and there's so much that you really can't define um, with science. Hmm. It's based in science, hmm. um, but there is a lot of it that also goes into cultural, social, political, um, and, uh, and mental and emotional. Hmm. So there is a lot that goes into that. It's how you present, it's how your spirit looks, is how I've defined it for myself. Um, I define my identity based on my spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, other people would define it based on their anatomy, which, mm -hmm. you know, is valid. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would, I would look at it more as a, um, color wheel than okay. as a, uh, umbrella. And yeah, I would say ev every single person has a different definition for what their gender identity means, even cis mm -hmm. people. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that does make sense. And I, I really do like the love the analogy of a color wheel, just because, you know, like you said, it's not just a, a linear a spectrum between male, masculine and female. It's just like, it's like a multidimensional, like, you can have the pointer here and here and here. And there's like so many different kind of shades you can make. Um, uh, last thing, um, I, I noticed you, you um, the term transmasculine to, to refer to yourself. And, and so um, can you talk about that, that particular um, terminology, like why, why you use uh, transmasculine or transfeminine as opposed to um, uh, a trans man or a trans woman? Um, yeah, originally I started using transmasculine because I was getting a lot of questions about um, me trying to present as a cis man, uh, like we talked about before, I also was getting a lot of unsolicited advice oh. on how to walk through the world as a cis man that I did not care for. Like um, what? Like how to walk differently, how to oh. posture myself differently. Definitely in the dance world, there's a lot mm -hmm. of uh, preconceived notions about how a uh, male, quote unquote, male dancer should uh, look and move uh, in oh. space. Uh, just in general. Um, mm. So there was a lot of sort of unsolicited advice. It's like, well, if you're going to be a man, then you need to do all these things. And it's right. like, but I'm not going to be a man. Mm. That's not my identity. So if you were to think of, let's just pick an arbitrary color, let's say 
uh, a cis man is uh, a, a bright crimson red. Um, I am not trying to be bright crimson red. I am not trying to be adjacent to bright crimson red. Um, I'm a little closer to the middle of the spectrum uh, than that bright crimson red that might be on the outlying. Right. So I, I, you know, I have dresses in my closet. I have, I have heels. Um, I still have no problem with my feminine, um, my feminine identity. Um, mm -hmm. and the parts of my feminine identity that I've developed over the years. I'm not trying to erase that. Um, and that confused a lot of people. So that's where I landed with uh, transmasculine. And also it just, it, it sounds like it made more sense to me. I know that's yeah. a little uh, arbitrary, but. No, I, th I think it does make, make more sense. Um, I didn't know if it was like a personal thing, but I picked up on it and I, and I do really like it because um, it feels more consistent with the, the color wheel thing uh, uh, just because like, it's not exclusively like man, woman, like this, this binary. Um, and yeah, you, you know, you mentioned um, some of the like gender norms and, and expectations within the world of dance. And um, I never actually took ballet, but I, I do know that there are a lot of ingrained kind of expectations of, of men and women, masculine and feminine roles within dance. Because, um, oh God, um, I believe like male ballet dancers, um, there's a role of like the cavalier. Is that, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. yeah. So like, so like that, that has like a particular kind of movement vocabulary. Right. And yeah, I, I mean, e even within like the artsy fartsy world, I, I think there's definitely a lot of um, kind of structural, like um, institutionalized kind of uh, expectations of gender, it seems like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as much as like dances, dance tries to be open to all gender identities and dance was created by all gender identities. Uh, when you go back to um, cultural dance, when dance was very much a part of, of the culture um, and it wasn't a, a, a matter of placing a performance on stage before we get even get into the invention of concert dance. Um, it was definitely created and, and open to all genders and based on the community around them. Uh, but when we get into concert dance, yeah, we start to get into that um, sort of males do this, females do this. There is no in between unless we have a cross-dressing character, which is, I don't think we need to talk about why that's problematic. Um, <laughs> they definitely exist, but it's yeah. not great. Um, and then we're trying to unlearn all of that. Um, yeah. And especially for, uh, you know, I can't speak for other art forms, but dance is so uh, seated in tradition. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you reconstruct a work that was made in the early 1900s um, or earlier, yeah. uh, how do you reconstruct it and keep the integrity of the piece while uh, respecting what we know now? Hmm. That, yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's, yeah, there, there is a lot of nuanced work to be done there. Um, not to say, I mean, this is a, a medical podcast. We have a yeah. lot of work to <laughs> do, on, do on our own end and we'll get into that. Um, so I, Oh man, I, there's so many things I want to dig into as well. Um, just because, like, uh, I, I I was curious about um, when you decided to start using they them pronouns. Like, what kind of made that feel more right for you? Um, yeah, I think my decision to start using pronouns that were not she/her um, was the start of my beginning to uh, care about how I was being treated and addressed and presented 
um, and how I was being viewed. Whereas like I've kind of, I had kind of disassociated myself from that. It's like people can call me whatever, people can, you know, use whatever pronouns they want. I don't care, I don't care. And, you know, of course I was like, that means I'm definitely cis because that's a level of cis privilege. Mm. Um, that you are, you know, you've used the same pronouns from birth. And so if somebody calls you the wrong pronouns and you're like, that's fine because I know in my heart that uh, they are wrong and everybody around them knows that they are wrong. Um, and then I come to realize that no, it was actually just a coping mechanism for being bullied uh, and being, you know, referred to the wrong way. So I, I tried on they, them in a safe environment, basically when I was around a lot of queer people that I knew were gonna respect it. Um, I, again, my dance company, uh, which like shout out, cause I keep mentioning them as Joel Hall dancers and center. Mm -hmm. Um, but my dance company was super, uh, great about it. They, they messed up, everybody messed up, but you know, they corrected themselves, uh, pretty quickly. They mm -hmm. is hard. Um, I get it because that's not, it is definitely not just a plural, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but we've all been like trained uh, incorrectly to think it's just plural and so mm -hmm. there's a tripping over your speech when you start to to use they them pronouns mm -hmm. um and so yeah I just remember being like like allowing myself to care more and all of a sudden she her was like nails on a chalkboard um and I was like okay so that's not great I don't like that let's mm -hmm. try they them um and and then people started tripping up on they them um and I finally as a means to like help people out, especially in the rehearsal space, because, mm. you know, your mind, I know, I'm sure as a medical provider, sometimes your mouth, your mouth is moving faster than your mind, and you're just trying to get everything down. And, you know, the wording sometimes doesn't come out quite right. And so um, I started to offer, like, if you want, you can use he, if a, if a, a pronoun you're used to is easier, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can use he or they, I, I, I'm okay with he, that's fine. Um, and at that point it was just like, it's fine. I, I don't care, it's fine. Um, and then they started to use he and I was like, oh, I like that. Yeah. That's great. Okay. And, and they was fine too. So I figured mm -hmm. uh, I would just keep it to both. Most people use he mm -hmm. because most people are used to using he or she. Yeah. Um, I would challenge people to use the they too. It's still there. Um, but yeah, it was basically just a... a journey of me caring about how I was being referred to. Yeah, and it sounds like it, it took a lot of kind of um, trial and error to get there. I mean, like, it, it sounds like, you know, even just starting to try on the, the he, him pronouns, like, that was almost kind of like, I mean, it'll, it'll just make things easier. Like, 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 just, just, you know, I don't want the hassle, but then it, like, it sounds like it felt, you know, more, more right. I think that is something that, um, is is motivating kind of the the idea behind like more normalizing gender gender identity and you know in in as a part of healthcare and medical practice just because like you might not always feel comfortable opening that particular you know um, box with your care provider because you don't really know where they're at right like it sounds like you you felt much safer really trying on you know they them pronouns even um, among a, an LGBT more of a queer and LGBTQ community and so but I, I do think like it would be I don't know, nice to you know have more doctor's offices feel more like safe spaces right you know, we'll get further into detail on this, but like, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, um, how, how, you know, can we either in medicine or just like elsewhere, like, how can we make 
spaces feel safer for for um, trans and you know gender non-conforming folks. Yeah. Before I say that, I will clarify because I've mentioned it a few times. Um, non-binary is not a gateway into a more uh, binary adjacent identity. Uh, mm -hmm. It just happened to be for me, just like bisexuality is not uh, <laughs> right, a gateway a into to, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, being completely gay. Uh, mm -hmm. They then pronouns, uh, people that use they then pronouns, you should use those pronouns. They right. don't necessarily prefer a binary pronoun in addition. Mm -hmm. So just to clarify, I'm the yes. exception, not the rule. Yep. Um, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, so I have gone to Howard Brown um, since beginning HRT. And of course, they are the place to go as an LGBTQ person, as an LGBTQ person who is poor um, as well, because they have a uh, sliding scale and uh, options for different income levels. Um, but it shouldn't be that way. Um, yeah. I have gone to other doctors since going to Howard Brown just because, mm -hmm. you know, they're overtaxed and sometimes they can't see me for every little thing I need. Um, so, you know, I would go to other doctor's offices and, uh, what I wish was there is, you know, uh, first of all, in the intake forms, uh, Howard Brown does ask for your legal name because they do need to know. And my mm -hmm. legal name is still my dead name, but they also have an extra line that is what name do you actually go by? I forget what the wording is. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a second, but um, it's basically the, the name that you would like your doctor to use. Mm -hmm. um, and that can, you know, a nickname is not particularly correct, um, mm -hmm. but I have seen that on other doctor's forums and I've put Luke, which is nowhere near my legal dead name. So of course the doctor looks at me sideways. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, having that line is great. Asking for pronouns on the mm -hmm. intake form is awesome, especially because that way the doctor doesn't need to do it. I know mm -hmm. that you, you know, doctors have a million things to do and to mm -hmm. have that right there with all the other patient information is, it's important. Um, so yeah, I think that those things on the intake form are really important. I think that, you know, of course this isn't on the doctor's side, this is more the, you know, hospital management, but um, LGBTQ plus people uh, are disenfranchised financially as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just that social spaces or verbal, uh, verbal behavior is not accessible or inclusive right now. It's also financial situations. And we've seen um, this administration roll back a lot of those protections. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I am poor because I am an artist. Um, <laughs> I am also poor because I am LGBTQ and an artist. Um, statistically, I'm uh, more likely to get paid lower, um, a lower rate. Uh, and the same goes for people of color. They get, they, I believe statistically uh, get paid uh, a lower rate than, than queer people in the performance world. I can actually, I can say that with, with confidence. Um, so having options like sliding scale, um, like payment installment options, um, having that accessibility, uh, especially because a lot of the procedures that we need, insurance doesn't cover. Um, and I think we're a long way from insurance doing anything to fix that. Um, so on the, on, the, on the doctor side and on the hospital side, um, there needs to be accessibility financially as well as, as uh, accessibility to the correct pronouns and the correct ref uh, reference of my name. 
uh, that is not a word, the reference of my name. <laughs> right. Um, and it sounds like there, there are just a lot of gaps to, to address. Um, you know, you, you noted not, not just even like behaviorally or, or, you know, like, um, limiting microaggressions, such as, you know, like misgendering, which, you know, would be, you know, using the wrong pronouns or, or dead naming, which, um, you know, you noted, uh, which is, uh, the practice of using someone's, um, previous name or, or a name that they no longer identify by. And, um, that that does often happen particularly in like you know has happened in, in reporting um you know where uh you know a trans um individual will you know either be the victim of a crime or or even murdered and and they'll they'll be repeatedly dead named and um and yeah uh it, and and definitely financial um you know i believe uh you know definitely trans individuals are are disproportionately more likely to be homeless um you know, suffer poverty. Uh, there are there are definitely a lot of gaps to be addressed. Um, and kind of zooming back into your story too, though. Um, you know, you mentioned Howard Brown, and it sounds like they've they've been very good for you. Um, when you first decided to, you know, pursue, um, I guess like, uh, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if you want, you know, it, it uh, originally, you know, thought like, you know, HRT is where you were going to go. Like, but when you first kind of made the decision to, you know um uh yeah like pursue that path like at what kinds of venues did you find um information from like how did you hear about um howard brown yeah um i had gotten a couple recommendations from friends who were not trans um and i can't speak for how well those recommendations were because i was honestly just a little too nervous to try mm -hmm. uh such as tumblr and reddit Mm -hmm. um, other online uh, forums, mm -hmm. which I was skeptical of because they can get a little uh, hijacked yeah. um, with misinformation uh, at best and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, flat out transphobia at worst. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard when you don't know anything to know the difference. So yeah. I actually put out a post on my Facebook page. I knew that I had a lot of friends in, you know, in Facebook land who <laughs> were undergoing that transition, um, mm. who were uh, AFAB and and taking hormones, uh, mm. which was very important because that that specific uh, being AFAB and taking hormones is going mm. to be a lot different than um, uh, taking estrogen, uh, for example. So uh, you know, I just reached out. I asked specifically, you know, if any trans performers, uh, trans masculine or or AFAB non-binary trans performers, had had any um, experiences, both with identifying as trans in the industry, which is also you know was very scary, mm -hmm. um, and if they had had any uh, success or experiences that they would be okay sharing about. Uh, um, about HRT. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't want to reach out to anybody specifically because it's it's demanding of labor. Mm -hmm. um, and so I sort of just put out a general ask of like if anybody has the time and and the and the spoons to spare um, <laughs> to to come out and you know shoot me a message and you know we can grab a coffee and talk. So there were a couple mm -hmm. that that reached out and uh, we were able to to grab coffee and and discuss um, you know what they had been through a couple of them were circus artists mm -hmm. um a couple of them were were dancers um some of them had no uh dance experience at all but after mm -hmm. talking to me ended up coming to like some of my beginning dance classes which was great <laughs> um 
but yeah, I, I decided to reach to the people that I could trust. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say that there are not internet resources out there, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, and every single one of them recommended Howard Brown. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, can you explain a little bit about why, uh, you know, you specifically wanted to get information from um, other like uh, trans, um, like performing artists, like, you know, that particular intersection, like um, what, uh, uh, what kinds of specific things, um, you know, have you had to, had to face, you know, given your line of work um, along with your transitioning process? Yeah, um, I especially was looking to speak with dancers and uh, movement performance artists, circus artists, because um, our job is very taxing um, on the body. And uh, in the middle of all of that, uh, you know, you still have to work it out. You mm. still have to step on the stage and you have to dance like there's nothing wrong. Um, and there have been times where that has been super easy. And there have been times where that is super hard. And I can go into that a little bit if you want. But um, I knew that that was going to be a thing, right? My body was going to change drastically. I was about to go into a contract for a Nutcracker level. It was actually like a jazz version of the Nutcracker oh, wow. um, with my dance company. Um, mm. And I was nervous about signing that contract um, while being new to HRT, but I was also very nervous about not being on HRT mm -hmm. um, and trying to do that contract. Um, okay. because that means that I would have been pigeonholed into the female roles. Oh, um, I see. So yes, and I've found that being on HRT and being a dancer and not stopping is definitely uh, taxing on the body, would not recommend it to everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why I reached out to them is because I knew that there were going to be certain uh, hurdles that I was going to have to face as somebody who is spending you know, literally 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. at the studio um, in, in such a physical line of work, mm -hmm. uh, there were going to be hurdles that I was going to have to face that maybe not everybody is going to have to face if you're perhaps uh, not as physical. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so, so I think that that's a good segue to, you know, like what um, would you mind talking about what the transitioning process has been like for you, you know, whether that be physically or um, emotionally, socially, etc. Yeah, um, when I, my first appointment with Howard Brown, um, I was lucky enough to have a doctor who, the minute I mentioned that I was a dancer, um, the first thing they asked is what do I want to see versus what would I rather um, not see if I could help it. Um, and they were talking more like, you know, do I want uh, do I want facial hair? Am I okay with facial hair? Because obviously you can't control what the, the hormones do. Um, uh, they were talking more along those lines. And I mentioned I was a dancer and that was a lot of my concern, um, mm -hmm. but also a lot of my motivation to go on, on testosterone. And uh, so they spoke with me for a very long time about what type of dance I did, what my mm -hmm. daily schedule was, when the contract, like when, when the uh, performance was for the contract, how often was I being in rehearsal? Um, was I having to lift dancers? Um, a lot of that I didn't know yet. Um, oh, wow. you know, uh, was I, was I going to have to lift dancers? Um, was I doing something where, uh, you know, there have been reports, uh, I actually had a friend who um, had a calcium deficiency um, mm. in relation, I don't know all of it, um, but in relation to 
uh, the hormones in some way. And so, you know, that's something that we had to, to keep a, a higher eye on, a, a heightened eye on, um, because they knew that I was doing a lot of, of work like that. Um, and so they decided to put me on the highest dose that they were going to start with. Okay. Wow. Um, the highest dose that they could start with. And then they pretty immediately brought me to a higher dose um, mm. because they figured it was better for me to um, do it all at once mm. and to get through sort of the thick of it um, before the performance, which was in a couple months, um, wow. was to hit, um, as opposed to slowly doling it out and then me not being ready for what I was going to be demanded to do because I was being, I was asked, uh, you know, I was asking to be seen as a, as a quote unquote male dancer. Mm-hmm. You were going to put me in, in one of the two roles that are usually there. Mm-hmm. Um, for that performance, I ended up wearing a costume that was traditionally female, but mm-hmm. not particularly, um, not extremely femme. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did respect me there. Uh, they did put me in a pink skirt at one time. And the, I remember the costume designer being like, no, no. <laughs> And uh, it's giving me something else. And I was like, thank you. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, it's been, um, you know, like I said, I've been on it for two years now and Mm. I am still going through, um, I get these massive growth spurts. And of Mm. course we all remember that from being uh, in our teens. Um, Of course, then it was literally, uh, if I'm correct, it was more about the bones growing and the rest of the body not growing with it. But it it was a matter of a... um, a lack of the body growing at the same time, things were growing at different rates. Um, similarly, uh, of course, our bodies are not completely symmetrical. So I would have these growth spurts, but they would only happen, you know, in my back or my shoulders or my legs, oh. um, but not everywhere. Um, and it would happen all at once. Uh, I would all of a sudden, my shirts wouldn't fit anymore. My pants wouldn't fit anymore. Um, you know, and I would have the dread over my fiance hugging me and being like, oh, your back got bigger. And I was like, oh no. Um, because what that meant was my muscles didn't work the same way. Um, so I had to learn how to re-engage my muscles. And of course, as a dancer, it's, it's a complex system of engagement and uh, engagement and rest. So it's, it's very important to have a strong understanding of your body. And I was relearning that every couple of months. Um, my spatial awareness was off because my shoulders, you know, would quite literally be wider. Um, so I would run into doors. I would run into other dancers. Uh, thanks for everybody for not yelling at me. I would like, I would run into <laughs> other dancers. I would not be in my right, uh, you know, I would not understand my spacing. My, my center of gravity would be completely off to the point where like, I remember running across the stage. That's all I had to do was run across the stage. That was the only thing I had to do in that pass. And I ran directly into the piano oh, no. and knocked the wind out of myself. And like, oh. there was a ledge and I like kind of twisted my ankle Oh, and I, it didn't, I didn't twist my ankle completely, but it was right. just a very, I had that moment. I was like, I just had to run across the stage. Right. <laughs> um, but my center of gravity was completely off, like even small things. And then having to explain to a director or a dance teacher or a circus coach that like, my I a person who is physical for 12 plus hours every day who has made a career out of this who um you know previously like showed no you know never let him see you cry never let him see you sweat um 
had to be like, it is, I am in excruciating pain when I walk. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know how I'm going to do this uh, two hour rehearsal. <laughs> um, and that's exactly what I would say. I was like, I'm going through a growth spurt. I, mm-hmm. it hurts to walk. I keep <laughs> falling over. Um, I got this, but I might be, I, I think my exact words once were, I might be a little crunchy. Um, <laughs> I think again, I remember that like you were in trapeze and you were like, I'm going through second puberty and uh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yes. And actually that was a weird one. We were doing a, a back balance, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, the bar is directly, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's on your back uh, mm-hmm. steel bar. And my tailbone was where it usually wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I still haven't figured out what that was. Um but for some reason, I don't know if it was the muscles around my back that had shifted, but all mm. of a sudden my, my, my tailbone was extremely, um, uh, there was nothing between it and the bar. It was oh. very painful. Um, but it's those little things and you don't, it's one of those things. It's like everyone, every growth spurt has been different and you never know what it's going to look like. And that was one of those things that even after looking online, I didn't find anything about it. I never found anything else. And that's why I do my, I do updates on my Instagram that specifically have to do with that because, um, you know, if somebody else is going through it, I hope that they're following me and see that like, oh, this is completely normal. I am not Mm -hmm. just completely losing everything as a Mm -hmm. dancer or as a athlete. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's incredibly important as well. Um, You know, speaking personally as just a a cisgender man, um, my, uh, I have never enjoyed doing back back balances uh because yeah i've I've definitely never had padding you know in in my sacrum and so i yeah i can't even imagine you know having to readjust that when when you know like it's uh you know having to find like a whole new center of balance for for that particular one um yeah so uh it sounds like it's been um quite a process for for you you know in terms of transitioning um and can you you know you mentioned briefly like you start it sounds like you started on a very fast pace you know initially right like with a very high dose um uh, of the testosterone like can you talk about what those first couple months were like like you know like what what did that look like before you know like your your contract started and you were like i gotta get through this like what what was the this um yeah I, well, the first couple of things that started to happen is my voice started to drop. Um, and that was a gradual thing. It didn't drop all at once, but it did drop very far at once. Um, I would wake up with these terrible sore throats, um, to the point where like I could barely talk. Um, and then when I came out on the other side, I had, a you know, a voice that kind of sounded like a chipmunk, um, which was also not ideal. Uh, luckily I have a lot of friends that are in uh, vocal training and who helped me um, sort of modulate my voice while that was going on, which was great. Um, yeah. I started developing uh, facial hair very quickly because I am mm. Italian. Um, my dad, <laughs> it's great. My dad will shave in the morning and we'll mm. have stubble by 10 a.m. Oh my goodness. Um, it was, and it's great because the doctor like told me that like, oh, just because the men in your family have mm-hmm. these certain traits mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're going to have these certain traits. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that. And in my mind, I was like, I hear you, but I feel like the facial hair is going to be an <laughs> exception because you can't be a, my, um, my, uh, 
birth name is Virgilio. My birth last mm-hmm. name is Virgilio. Yeah. You can't be a Virgilio and not have facial hair. Uh, I had facial hair as uh, before testosterone, actually. And so I would call my mom and be like, mom, I have a mustache. And she would be like, oh, sweetie, you've already, you've always had that. Like, wow. Um, but yeah, the facial hair came in really quickly. Um, my body started to, the first thing that happened is my body got a lot leaner. Um, mm. I didn't have uh, the need for all of the stored fat that was in my body. Mm. Um, I stopped uh, menstruating. Mm. Um, and so my body was understanding that it didn't need to, to um, keep all of that. So my, um, my breasts started to, to get smaller. Of course, your breasts don't go away. They don't shrink, but mine were very small, um, already. And so they, they did, they did, um, shrink a little bit. They, they lost a little bit. Mm. Um, and then, uh, you know, just around my muscles, I started to get leaner. And of course Mm. that is not something that would have happened if I were not working out so, Mm. uh, intensely, right. Taking circus, doing, doing dance. Um, and so I got really, really lean. And then I all of a sudden started to fill back out with muscle, but it got to the point where, uh, you know, obviously I, I, so I started HRT in August. The show was the November that same year Mm. and I barely fit into that costume. Wow. Um, especially in my, my back, cause my back was one of the things that it continues to still grow a lot. Mm. Um, and so my back, I was wearing this vest that was made out of that. Um, I don't know if it's silk, um, a lot of, uh, um, I forget the, the artistry of it. Um, but it, it, it was like a silk that didn't have any stretch. Right. Um, and so I like, barely got it on and when I had it on it's like my arms couldn't totally go out to the side um which like in a jazz nutcracker you kind of have to do so it was right. very um yeah uh so there was there was that and then I uh I started getting um knee trouble which I knew might might happen mm-hmm. um and so I had to build up on my calcium I actually um I, I had knee trouble the during the show and we had this like very intense, uh, I think it's like four or five minutes of just a duet mm. and it's very fast and there's a lot in it. And there's like, I think four triple turns or a triple and a, and a quad. Oh man. Um, and it's, it's very up and down and jumps and there's no stop to it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was actually wearing uh, like a knee brace and kinesio tape on one knee underneath the um, like skin tight uh, uh, unitard I was wearing uh-huh. um, so that I could like get through that one duet um, in the whole thing. So, and I did, but mm-hmm. uh, there was definitely a lot of like knee care that happened mm. after that show my my poor knee barely made it um <laughs> but yeah there was a lot of that there was a lot of extra tending to my body that like of course as a dancer you're going to find injuries and of course those are going to happen at really inopportune times right um luckily again when i went to howard brown and of course you know that's a very specific thing but i was like hey i've i was doing this thing and i heard a pop in my knee and i'm concerned um you know they they said you know that you know, that might happen. Your body's growing differently. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so they, they put me on extra calcium, um, to, to make sure it didn't get any worse. Um, and then they, you know, kind of just gave me the usual, um, recommendations to, to care for the injury. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I still have to, you know, take care of my, my intake of certain nutrients because 
when you switch your hormones, um, the nutrients that you need also shift. That's, that's definitely a lot of like little things that I, I, I would not even have considered in terms of like, you know, even having to modulate your diet. Um, uh, it sounds like there were a lot of kind of like aches and pains and just like readjusting and refamiliarizing yourself with your own body. I mean, th those are already a, a good number of challenges, but like, what are some, you know, like other common challenges you've, you've had to face as you, you know, you, you've had, to, you know, as you've, you know, transitioned? Um, I think misgendering is definitely one of them um, mm -hmm. on both, on uh, both sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. uh, so of course uh, I, you know, get, ma'am um hmm. or miss hmm. um which is wild to me now you know right. when i was first doing my transition it's like ah you're just ignorant fine even now i've like i have facial hair i have a beard i have a full beard right. so it makes me wonder where somebody is looking when they're hmm. when they're looking at me hmm. that they see me and they say ma'am hmm. Are you looking at my, you know, I, I still do have a chest. Mm -hmm. I'm small, but I still do have a chest. Are you looking mm -hmm. at my chest? Are you looking mm -hmm. at, you know, my uh, absence of an imprint on my pants? Like, mm -hmm. what what are you looking at that that's driving you to say, ma'am? It's very mm -hmm. interesting. Um, even if you don't know, you know, it's not like you had my dead name in front of you. Right. Um, on the other side of that coin, uh, my dead name, my, uh, my assignment at birth, mm -hmm. F, um, and my picture before testosterone is still on my ID. Oh. And you know, I haven't gone through that process yet. Um, yeah. And so when I go through TSA, there's always extra scrutiny. Um, I'm in a dispute with a, a phone company right now over, you know, a weird charge and I couldn't get into my account. Mm. Um, and they're having me do all these extra security measures because they say that they can't, they can't prove that I'm quote, who I say I am. Oh. Um, and so there's that side of it too, is people don't believe that, that legally, legally I am, mm -hmm. you know, name redacted Virgilio. Yeah. Um, and that I am the person that's on, on my ID. Although I still mm -hmm. think that, you know, I look pretty similar right. and, right. you know, I could be that person's brother. But, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I get misgendering on, on both sides of the spectrum. And yeah, mm -hmm. I am very much, um, I, I still face the same, uh, um injustices as an mm -hmm. afab person because mm -hmm. my uterus is still being policed mm -hmm. the same as a cis woman mm -hmm. um and i'm not being included in in those conversations all the time i always you know have to politely remind people that when we're speaking about abortion and birth control and um you know getting your tubes tied and and policing a quote-unquote woman's body that we're actually mm -hmm. not talking about a woman's body we're talking about a, an afab body Mm -hmm. um and so we're excluding trans men from that that mm -hmm. conversation um i'm also subject to a lot of expectations because i do present pretty masculine mm -hmm. um and so you know we've talked about in dance but just in general it's uh you know i i will get called you know the f word um oh. i i will get scrutinized for being too femme uh, I will have, you know, depending on the employers that I'm working with as a, as mm. a dancer, I will be scrutinized for not being macho enough or mm. not being masculine enough. Um, just in the way that I exist in space, not even in my movement, but you mm. know, there's inherent, there's, there's things that are inherent and learned from a very young age about taking up space, about how, mm. um, how you are allowed to take up space, how you mm. are allowed to walk, 
and, you know, growing up and being told that you are female, Mm -hmm. you are told that you are supposed to walk and stand and exist in a very specific way. And so having to unlearn that, um, in a very, uh, accelerated pace, because I am, I am expected to perform masculinity, Mm -hmm. um, very literally, I'm supposed to go on stage and perform masculinity. Right. Um, so having to unlearn that as a, at an accelerated pace uh, is uh, an interesting, an interesting challenge. Right. God, I mean, like, e- even as someone who has, you know, grown up, you know, being socialized as a man, like, I don't, I mean, I, I did theater and dance um, in, in college and, and in the past. And like, you know, I've definitely had instances where it's like, you know, like, be, be more manly i'm like what does that mean like i don't i don't know how <laughs> this is not who i am and, and i mean like you know it is performance but still like it it's um it's a strange it's a it, it's an interesting ask um uh in terms of like um particular barriers uh you know you talked about um you know you haven't changed your id yet right like can you talk through you know have, have you started kind of like what you know, looking at what that process looks like. I, I don't know what it's like in, in Illinois. Yeah, um, I will say that I do know that it's easier in Illinois than in, for example, uh, Florida, where I grew up, um, or uh, Georgia, where I, I know somebody who tried to go through that process in Georgia, and it was just not great. Um, from what I understand, and again, I, I've only started researching this process, um, I have chosen to wait until I get married. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's still uh, it's still going to happen, but next mm. year. Um, yeah. So getting the name changed is a a challenge in and of itself. I have had cis uh, cis friends, like cis. Uh, I had a cis female friend mm. who had gotten married and was mm. just trying to change her last name, which is mm. so common. Um, and she said even that was a mess. Oh man! Um, and. So there's that, um, and there's there's changing the name uh, to your partner's name, you know, mm. changing your last name, which is is one challenge, which is apparently not even great. Um, mm. And then there's changing your first name, which there's no um, uh, culturally recognized precedent at that level yet. Um, mm. You know, of course, we we have all just decided that it's very common for. Um, partners to take their partners' names. Now we have gotten a little, a little more comfortable with partners taking partners' name when it's not uh, just a female taking uh, a, a cis female taking a cis male's name. Mm. Um, but to say I'm changing my first name because I am actually Luke <laughs> um, is a little harder. Um, I do have a doctor's note that my doctor uh, actually like drafted for me and they said that that would make it a little easier but that I should bring literally every piece of documentation that I have for my identity. Um, like wherever you go, like? Well, for um, it's for employment and it's also oh, to bring to the DMV to switch the ID. So if okay. I were to get a job somewhere that mm-hmm. was um, in the state of Illinois, if I were to get a job somewhere, I could present I that letter. Um, to ask that I am in um, the system for everything except for legal and tax stuff as mm. Luke. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, I also have a letter from my doctor um, for when I'm, uh, when I go down there to switch my gender mm. marker. Again, I don't know how easy that is in Illinois. I'm guessing mm. if changing your last name because you got married is not easy. 
that the gender marker thing is not going to be great. Um, not to deter anyone. What right. I would say and what I'm planning on on mm. doing is is reaching out to somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm. Um, you know, they're, Howard Brown themselves have a lot of uh, resources, uh, mm -hmm. especially for uh, young trans people. Uh, mm -hmm. Broadway Youth Center is a great resource. Mm -hmm. um, this is exactly the type of thing that I believe they they would help with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and Howard Brown in general will will definitely have those resources available to you. They do have counseling yeah. um, or somebody who's gone through it fully and successfully in the past. Um, but yeah, not get, not looking forward to that. Yeah, it does not sound enjoyable. Um, I also apologize. I'm, I'm trying to like mute myself, but they're like, I live right in front of a playground. So there's literally children just like screaming at the top of their lungs oh outside. Um, so it, it sounds like there are, are a lot of barriers to even just like getting recognized as, as who you are. Um, and um, I, I also kind of wanted to, you know, ask about like, what was the process like for, you know, um, starting and, and continuing HRT, like what are some barriers you've had to face there? You, you talked about financial, you know, burden and, and, um, uh, but, and it sounds like Howard Brown is, is an excellent facility, but like, you know, what, what other kind of, you know, what kinds of challenges have you had to face? Um, yeah, financial is definitely one of them. Um, I have elected to postpone my consideration of top surgery uh, because uh, it is so expensive and the recovery time is uh, too long for what my life looks like right now, and especially the fact that I am a, a physical performer. Um, so that is also a barrier. I would love to, um, I would love from to be able to take off my shirt um, and perform and feel like I'm not having to clench every level of my pectorals um, <laughs> so that my chest doesn't look like boobs. Um, and I'm very lucky that my, that my chest is small enough that I can even do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have to have like a, a regular workout routine to make sure that it continues to look like that. So I, I would love to not have to work that hard, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and to be able to just, you know, look down and not see them. But right. uh, I have had to postpone, postpone top surgery because of that. Of course, insurance doesn't cover it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there was just a story the other day about a, a Catholic, I believe, uh, mm. run hospital refusing to perform top surgery on a trans mask patient, even though they, mm. they did perform them on uh, cis women. Oh. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, oh, geez. Super fun. I have a lot of thoughts about it, but we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get yelled at by other people today. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so definitely finances are the barrier. Um, continuing mm -hmm. to be able to afford uh, HRT is definitely a privilege. That's why Howard Brown is so helpful because the sliding scale does also apply to prescriptions. Um, not mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. um, I have, uh, I forget what the name is, but I'm afraid of needles. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was really nervous about being able to even take the testosterone. Mm -hmm. Um, and so luckily there is a topical option and thankfully Howard Brown does offer it on, uh, on the sliding scale. Mm. Um, so I do, uh, I do use the topical option. It is available right at the Howard Brown that is like down the street from my apartment. Oh, that's nice. Um, they, uh, yeah, so it is very accessible and they always let me know if it's out of stock or mm. if it's no longer available because 
the sliding scale is based on a an agreement with all the drug companies and of course mm. you know we we've all heard about you know the way the drug fun- companies function and mm-hmm. some of them have pulled uh, i think there's one topical left that if they pull that i'm going to have to look into mm. um overcoming my fear of needles um so yeah that's one of them the other thing is uh access to care um Howard Brown has a lot of patients. I'm not always able to go in for everything. So sometimes I have to go to another doctor. Um, And when you go to another doctor, like we've talked about, they're not always understanding about your identity. They're not always understanding about who you are. Um, I always get nervous when I go to a gynecologist that is not Howard Brown um, and being asked like, why am I there? Uh, If my name is Luke and Mm -hmm. I present mainly masculine. There's always that really awkward moment where I have to describe my genitalia mm-hmm. uh, to reinforce that I should be at the gynecologist. Um, and also I've, I've run into doctors who no matter what the symptoms are or what your problem is or mm-hmm. why you're there, they always want to take you off your hormones. Huh. Um, that's always the very first thing that I am, that I am suggested uh, when I don't go to Howard Brown, which is why I, I literally do everything I can to, to mm-hmm. go to my uh, PCP now. Mm-hmm. Um, because hormones do affect your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes they can be negative and positive and you have to make adjustments for that. But I don't think that my, you know, my reoccurring severe heartburn has anything to do with my hormones, I know, cause I checked. Um, <laughs> so to tell me, and this is a real thing, to tell me that I should be taken off my testosterone because I'm having severe heartburn, doesn't make sense. Yeah, um, yeah literally anything I would go into, they would, they would suggest that. Uh, mm. So, and, and they would just like, just start doing it. They're like, I'm gonna mm. recommend that you be taken off of this. It's like, or, we could discuss other options Hmm. uh, instead of you just deciding that I don't need this thing um, that's seen as frivolous anywhere um, that, that is not LGBTQ. um, That is, that doesn't have the knowledge on LGBTQ healthcare. Hmm. Um, It, it's a science in and of itself. Right. right? Um, So I think that's one of the main barriers as well um, as financial is just the access to doctors that are going to give you care. Hmm. Um, at all and it's not just a matter of getting turned away luckily we live in illinois where um you know i don't necessarily have to fear that i'm going to get turned away like i would Mm -hmm. if i were in a different state right but i do fear that i'm not going to be cared for so Mm -hmm. you know i'll i'll get in the office right i'll I'll get it i'll get on the on the weird little bed um, (laughs) with a a paper over it yeah um but i'm mostly you know prepared to sit there and be told that it's something else or being told that I'm being hysterical because I am still AFAB. And the minute Mm. that a doctor knows that they treat me as, you know, with the same stereotypes that are harmful to cis women, Mm. um, you know, being told that I'm hysterical, that I'm making it all up, that maybe it's something to do with my menstruation or lack thereof, or, Mm. you know, so it's, yeah, it's access to care by doctors that understand trans healthcare. I, I mean, uh, thank you for thank you for talking on that because um, um, that that is very illuminating. Um, so yeah, it, it sounds like um, you've had a lot of concerns in terms of just like being heard and and like actually you know receiving proper care from from um, providers you know outside of uh, Howard Brown um, and and so or, or uh, you know outside of a 
uh, an institution that like, you know, treats a lot of LGBTQ plus folks. Um, switching a little bit, and, and, and I would definitely like to dig into that a little further, but like before that, like just to, you know, switch a little bit to a more positive note, like <laughs> what have you gained and, you know, how has your life improved since, you know, as you've transitioned? I'm definitely a lot happier now. Um, and I think that's a part of the trans experience that usually gets left out. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that needs to be celebrated as, yeah. and, and focused on as well, uh, not to draw away from the opportunities to improve right. as a society, but also to understand that trans people are also very happy. And yeah. um, I'm very proud to be trans. I'm mm. very happy that I went on HRT. Mm. I have never felt more at home in my body mm. than I do today. And um, I can only... I can only expect that I will continue to feel more and more at home in my body. Um, I am happier and more content with the way that I move through space, which like we talked about was my main motivation. A lot of people it's based on how they look um, visually. We're all very visual people. Um, mm. I am more of an internal person. I am a mover. Um, so I care about how my spirit feels and I care about how I move through space. I don't really mm. care about, how I look standing in the mirror, um, which is valid, just not where I am. Um, and I've never been happier moving through space. I've never been happier hmm. dancing. And I loved dance even when I was, you know, I like to say it, it, it felt like I was moving in somebody else's body. I loved dance even when it didn't feel right. right. Um, and so for the pieces to finally come together, and I just wish they had come together sooner. <laughs> um, but for the for the pieces to come together so well and you know through all the growth spurts through all the pain i still am so thankful for every moment i get to touch the marley and and move in this body uh so that's definitely uh, a, a really wonderful thing i have a really wonderful relationship with my family they've been you know my immediate immediate family for sure has been super supportive um my extended family most of them absolutely um and uh i i am able to present myself to my family and my friends in a way that i'm comfortable with and i i don't feel like i'm hiding under a hoodie anymore that's wonderful um are there any particular like movements or or um things that you are able to do or, or, you know, feel more right, you know, particularly, you know, in, in dance that, um, uh, that you can do now, like, um, that, uh, didn't feel quite the same, you know, before, before you, you started transitioning. Yeah. Um, hinge, uh, hinge is one of my favorite, uh, steps mm. in, in dance because I've always been good at it. Can you describe what, what that is? Because I'm not so sure I know. <laughs> a hinge is, um, so if you can do it a couple different ways, but um, I don't know uh, if you've ever seen, oh, well, you saw my performance at um, uh, the Holiday Show yes, when yeah. I hinged backwards really slowly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like the Matrix dodge. <laughs> so that was one of those things. Yes, the Matrix yeah. dodge. That's a good way <laughs> to think about it. So I've always really loved hinges. Um, mm. That that was like usually like my signature move when I was a competition dancer uh -huh. um, and was doing like a, a contemporary thing was a hinge because mm -hmm. I could do it nice and slow. <laughs> but it's um, but I usually had to hit the ground pretty fast. Mm. Um, 
you know, I couldn't hold myself there and uh, my poor little chicken legs. <laughs> um, but now my hinges are like just really strong and I could, you know, I could hold them for days and, you know, I, I have that leg strength now. Um, jumps have become a lot more enjoyable. Uh, I had a, an injury to my ankle when I first started, uh, so I didn't really get to enjoy that fully right away, but, you know, jumping is a lot easier, especially like large jumps. Yeah. Really wonderful. Um, I've lost flexibility. Um, but luckily my training with, uh, Joel Hall is, uh, very, very focused on active flexibility, mm -hmm. uh, man, woman, uh, full gender spectrum, yeah. uh, does not matter. You will be flexible and you will be strong. Uh, and yeah, so I've taken some classes there. It's uh, I'm not quite there, but I, I, yeah. I can see what they're trying to get me to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, I, I don't think that, you know, I lost a little bit of flexibility, uh, a little bit of natural flexibility. Um, mm. but, uh, luckily I've held on to most of it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the nice thing is now I can be flexible and have have the um have the capacity to build my muscles to some mm. of the more strength-based things and i can lift dancers over my head that's super cool that's something i learned about myself yeah. in this last uh in my last contract i was like oh this dance over my head that's so fun that's incredible uh, wasn't easy no. <laughs> um but i did it that's really impressive and Dave from the future cutting in just to put a break in this conversation, and we will be continuing part two of this interview next week on Wednesday. And with that, I hope you enjoyed this first part of the uh, the interview, and I hope you enjoyed the rest of the episode once it drops next Wednesday. And with that, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without the support from our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com, where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, please submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient-doctor relation is formed, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Views and opinions are their own and do not represent any organization.